All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. He installed a program that every two minutes would take a photo of me out of my webcam and email it to him. And, like, I had no idea this was happening, Uh, you know, so I'm, like, picking my nose. It's Note to Self, the tech show about being human. I'm Anoush Zamarodi. And hacking? Look, it's just a fact of modern life now, right? I don't want to be fear-mongering about it. And I'm not talking about corporate hacking like Sony or Ashley Madison. And I don't mean government hacking either, like the FBI asking Apple to hack into the iPhone that belonged to the San Bernardino shooter. How much would it take, really, for someone to hack your life? And how much do you really need to be worried about it? This was one of the more bizarre and dangerous uh, pieces of stunt journalism I've ever done. Like I, I you Let's know, I'm glad I, I you're like calling to... it what it is. Our new note to self friend Kevin Roos sacrificed himself to find out just how far hackers can go if they really want to. If you don't know him, Kevin is the news director of Fusion. He's a really well known tech journalist. He's also the co host of Fusion's new documentary series, Real Future. Yeah, no, I I like to put myself in the middle of the story. I'm a narcissist uh, like that. But, like, usually it doesn't involve so much uh, damage to my life. Kevin went to find some of the world's best hackers, and he asked them to put him to something called a pen test, a penetration test. Usually, Fortune 500 companies use this term. It's what they do to test their digital weaknesses. Basically, Coca-Cola will bring in a hacker for example, and say, you know, I want you to spend a month trying as hard as you can to get into our systems, exploit vulnerabilities, take advantage of weaknesses in our infrastructure, and then report back to us what you found so that we can fix it. And I thought, well, what if I could do the personal version of that? Like, what if I could have my own pen test? Do you consider yourself, like, pretty security savvy? Like, you know what I'm saying? How how savvy are you? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm an above average user of most computer services. Like, I take precautions. I don't click on pop up ads. I don't respond to Nigerian princes. Mm-hmm. I do use two factor authentication. I use a password manager. I use strong passwords. Like, I thought they probably wouldn't get my bank accounts, but they might get you know my old eBay account that I never use anymore or something like that. Turns out there are two different ways that hackers can get at us. There is the conventional way, malicious code that gets written to get inside your computer. We'll get to that in a minute. But first, there's actually a more traditional method, conning people, or as the techies call it, because of course they need to give it a different name, social engineering. I had posted on Twitter 
just a normal, you know, picture of my dog who's very cute. <laughs> and they found that and they blew it up and they image enhanced it and they saw on my dog's tag my home address. Oh my God. So that's how they found my address. And then once they had my address and they knew my email address, then they started calling around to all my service providers. So they tried to go to Comcast. They tried to go to Time Warner. They tried huh. the people who sort of run my life in those ways. Mm-hmm. And once they had enough information about me, one of their engineers called my cell phone company. The woman pretended to be Kevin's harried wife and with the help of a YouTube video of a crying baby, pleaded for sympathy and his password. My baby, I'm sorry. <laughs> my husband's like, get this done by today, so I'm so sorry I can't I, um, call you back. <laughs> Within five minutes, uh, you know, my cell phone company had given her everything about me. They had let her into my account. They let her view, you know, my sort of personal account information. They let her change my account password. So essentially she had locked me out of my own phone account. You would have to send me a secure pin through a text message? Yeah. Well, the thing is, I don't think I'll be able to receive a text message if I'm on the phone. Shh, shh, shh. It's okay. Oh, I'm not on there either? I'm sorry. I thought he added me on the account. Just with a YouTube video of some babies crying. Okay, so social engineering, that's the first hacking methodology. No code writing skills needed, just emotional intelligence. But the second method, Kevin got in touch with a traditional white hat hacker, someone who usually gets hired by corporations to test their weak spots. The second part of it was I had this guy, Dan Tentler, who works for a firm called Carbon Dynamics. So he spent two weeks hacking me by more traditional avenues. So the first thing that he did was set up a fake website. Uh, Basically what I did was created a bogus Squarespace site and sent an email to you, um, a fish asking you to go to this website, run this certificate installer. And I did it because I'm an idiot. So once you ran that, uh, it gave me access to your computer and I created several fake pop-ups that looked like system pop-ups uh, that would ask you for your credentials. You didn't. Even have and so I did. Like I, I bit. I'm, you know, I, I fell for it. I downloaded this uh, certificate. I installed it, and that essentially gave him full access to my computer. What, everything. Ev- everything. So I, I stole your one password keychain. That's and one f- password is where I store all my other passwords. So effectively, by and your social security number and your Amex stuff and your Dropcam stuff and all your stock trading and bank information and all. He eventually gets control of my entire machine. I am you right now, if I wanted to be. And once he has that, he starts installing other software on my laptop. So he installed a program that every two minutes would take a photo of me out of my webcam and email it to right him. Right now, if, it's, if my evilness is working correctly, I have been watching you for about two days now. In oh coffee shops, at your mom's house, on a plane. Like oh my God, so nervous. this is literally... Every two minutes. Through my webcam. Yeah, through this guy. Ew, ew, ew. That's horrible. No, it was awful. (laughs) And, like, I had no idea this was happening. Uh, You know, so I'm, like, picking my nose or, you know, it's it's not like (laughs) glamour shots that he was getting. It's really bad stuff. So I I think that was sort of the most shocking thing. But he also did things like he got into my, my Nest camera that I have on 
the outside of my house for security. He was able to get in there and, and actually like showed me footage that had been taken from my own security camera. And um, if he wanted so I, to do something with all this, what could he do? So I, I asked him that and he said basically – I could have made you homeless and penniless. I can pay people with your bank account or your Amex account. I am you. I think it would have been pretty ruinous. Access to bank accounts, people's homes, and intimate pictures of nose picking. Hackers can get you where it hurts. But what can we do? And really, how likely is it that they will come for us? That's after the break. It's Note to Self. I'm Anoush Samarodi. We're back and we are getting hacked on purpose with Kevin Roos of Fusion. Okay, so you heard about how hackers work. Now a few things that the hackers say we can do to keep them out. People can do a couple things. One is you can be proactive. You can actually call up your cable company or your cell phone company and say, you know, do not give my password out to anyone unless I provide you with this pin or unless there's some there's some other piece of information that you mm-hmm. can can give them that only you would know. We actually saw a really sort of scary example of this earlier this year. A teenage hacker got into the personal email of the director of the CIA <laughs> by posing as a Verizon employee. I mean, it's really remarkable that even someone as security conscious as the CIA director was vulnerable to social engineering. Have you set a pin for your phone since this happened to you? I, I have now. So I haven't you had You have? You really any, have? Yeah. No, I really have. I really – part of why I did this was so that I could figure out where my weak spots were and fix them. Over the winter holidays, my father was making fun of me for having a post-it note over the camera on my laptop. He was like, what is – you're so paranoid. What's wrong with you? And I was like, I don't know. Like Skype, I see how sometimes like you're on camera and I've been talking to people and they don't even realize they've turned the video camera on. So that's why I have it. But it sounds like there's lots of good reasons to have a post-it note on there. Yeah, I mean, I do that too now, and people make fun of me for it all the time. <laughs> and I Yay! just say, like, you'll be sorry mm-hmm. when, you know, photos of you picking your nose are <laughs> online. So what else? Like, you've got a Post-it note on there now, and, and what else? Yeah, I mean, I do use a password manager. Dan showed me about this program, this app called Little Snitch, which <laughs> you basically install on your computer, and it notifies you whenever – your computer is trying to make a connection to another computer. So it's it doesn't it's not like an antivirus or you know an anti-spam software. It's monitoring the the pings that your computer is sending to other computers and other Hmm. systems. So if you have malware on your computer that's trying to upload your data to some server, it will tell you and you can sort of either approve or deny that. Everything now from cars to refrigerators to, you know, washing machines. These things are all now essentially computers. You know, once you put a computer chip in something and connect it to the internet, it really does become particularly vulnerable. And I think probably 
the future of war and conflict, mm. too. Like in the Ukraine recently, there was a power grid that was infected with malware and people suspect it was Russian state hackers doing this. So it's this is not like some crazy sci-fi future scenario. Like this is happening now. I guess I want to understand a little bit more about how common are people who are trying to get into my, your, my listeners, your viewers, virtual stuff? Well, so everyone is vulnerable, but for 99.9% of people, no one will ever care enough to want to spend the time and energy hacking you. I talked to one hacker, he's a guy who's worked at Google and The Intercept and all these other places, who compared it to like, do you worry about trained martial artists beating you up in the street? Not particularly. But you're aware that they exist. You're also aware that you probably couldn't do anything about it if one of them wanted to beat you up in the street. Probably not. Right? And I mean, you can actually possibly think about the danger that hacking poses to you right now in much the same terms. But the, first but the thing that I would add to that is that people become targets for all kinds of reasons because they have crazy exes who want to get revenge on them and right. hack their computers and leak embarrassing things because they get momentarily famous or they're in the news. Basically, anyone who is notable enough to appear on the radar of someone who's looking to do some damage, I think the lesson there is that there's very little you can do to stop it if someone with enough time and enough motive wants to attack you, they will. And I guess the final most important question is, Kevin, are you still posting pictures of your dog online? I, I am, but only on Instagram where I have a, a protected account. So no one will be able to spot me through my dog's tag or, again. Or just take the tag off, I guess, for all photos. Like, what's your dog's name? Uh, should I should I disclose oh, that? Oh, you shouldn't that disclose it. You're vulnerable? absolutely right. There's no reason. You're absolutely <laughs> Are you hacking you. me? No. <laughs> Many thanks to Kevin Roos at Fusion. But before we go, you know what? I think that hacker guy who compared the likelihood of being hacked to a trained martial artist beating you up on the street, I don't know. I think there's a better metaphor for this. It's actually, I think, a simile. So here, here I go. Okay. Sure, it would be great to live in a world where no one gets attacked, online or off. But asking your phone company to create a PIN or installing a program like Little Snitch... Proactively protecting yourself from hackers is more like taking a self-defense class, right? I mean, it's unlikely that while walking home tomorrow, you'll be attacked by someone. But if you are, it would be awesome to know how to kick said attacker in his crotch in the most devastating way possible, right? And even if you never have to use your crotch-kicking skills, isn't it nice knowing you have them? Plus, added bonus, won't you just feel more relaxed walking home every day? In other words, yeah, if you really want to feel more relaxed online, having all these gadgets, take the steps. But I got to admit, I never actually signed up for that self-defense class in college. You can see Kevin Roos's Real Future TV at Fusion.net. There are lots of other videos in the series, including one about ASMR, that's whispering, people who whisper online, YouTube videos, people really like them. Um, there's also sex bots, more. We are fans of the folks at Fusion. They are lovely. Speaking of sex, next week, 
Yeah, a very special collaboration with Caitlin Prest. Maybe you know her podcast, The Heart. We've been working for the last few months with her on a special project, and here's a little taste of what you'll be hearing next week. One couple that used the app, they did it, and they answered this question, kissing more often during sex, which seems like a just a basic one. And uh, she said, love it. And he said, not so much. But they talked about, she's like, oh, how did you answer that question? And they had a conversation about it. And they'd been married for 30 years, and they never talked about kissing during sex. That's next week. You can get it delivered automatically and for free by subscribing to Note to Self wherever you listen to podcasts. And if that's on iTunes, please take a second and rate us too. You know, just doing that little thing where you click some stars, it actually makes a big difference for us. It gives us a boost in the rankings for real, gets us in front of more people. And thank you in advance. The Note to Self team is Jen Poyant, Ariana Tobin, Amy Eason, and Joe Plord. Note to Self is a production of WNYC Studios. I'm Manoush Samarodi. Thanks so much for listening. Can't wait to see you next week. Okay, laughing. I gotta laugh. Ha ha. Um. <laughs> <laughs>